So it's good to be with you at the start of our new year. And this morning, I have the privilege of opening up to you our verse for the year, which is, of course, found here and in our Bibles on page 952. If you can keep your Bibles open, it might be useful for some of the context. But it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Shall we say it together? Are we ready? Let's say it together. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's great. But it wouldn't be HTC unless we had some accompanying actions to go with it. So can I ask you to stand? Thank you. Let's all stand if you're able. Um, And uh, it's very simple. It's not by might nor by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And when we do by my spirit, I'd like you all to sit. Okay, should we try it? So, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Wonderful. That should be easy to remember. And it's our verse for the year. And my hope is that whatever lies ahead in the year to come, this verse will shape your outlook, your response to every situation you face, and I pray that it will strengthen your relationship with God and your relationship with each other. So let me pray to begin. Lord, as we gather here this morning, may we receive your word, this verse for the year, deep into our hearts, and may it affect the way we view the world. Amen. So not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Well, this was originally the word of God given through the prophet Zechariah to the Jewish prophet Zerubbabel in the year 518 BC. Now, trying saying Zerubbabel with a northern accent and a little sleep, and you'll appreciate my condition this morning. But 18 years before Zerubbabel and the Jewish people were given this word from God, they were given permission by the king of Persia to return from their enforced exile in Babylon back to their homeland in and around Jerusalem. However, during the 70 years that the Jews had been away from their home, other people had moved in to occupy their land that was once theirs. And so as the Jewish exiles returned with the permission of uh, the Babylonian king, there was a lot of tension that was stirred up. Who owned what and who was in charge? Picture the scene in the story of Goldilocks where the three bears return home to find Goldilocks has been eating their porridge, sitting in their chairs and sleeping in their beds. And you get an idea of what it felt like for the Jews. However, unlike Goldilocks, who ran away when the bears returned home, the recent settlers into the Jewish land remained remained there. And they opposed all that the Jewish exiles wanted to do as they returned. So in the time when Zechariah delivered our verse for the year, 18 years of local tension has worn the Jews down, and we find each individual Jew turned inwards to meet their own personal desires and needs. In fact, at this point, the Jews have some very serious thinking to do. They have some ongoing choices to make about the type of society that they want to live in. 
They need to work out whether their future society will be based on serving God or on serving themselves. And of course, thinking through the type of society that we want to live in is a very live issue right now in the UK. Some of you might have caught the headlines just before Christmas uh, that came out of the Living with Difference report. The report was released by the Commission on Religion and Belief in Public Life. And many of the report's recommendations are aimed at taking into account the increasingly diverse British society where people's exposure to more different types of religious belief are increased, but at the same time, people are actually less religious. Some of the recommendations include opening up representation in the House of Lords to faiths other than the Church of England, removing the requirement for schools to hold acts of collective worship, instead giving a time for reflection, and changing the BBC's thought for the day so that it includes non-religious speakers. Now, some of us might say that such recommendations make complete sense in our multicultural and uh, secular society. After all, living in a nation that's surrounded with people from diverse ethnic backgrounds is what makes living in Britain such a rich experience today. But whatever your view of social trends, one thing is clear. Years of successive decline in Church of England church attendance has led to a situation where Christianity no longer has the influence or impact in our society it once had. The good news message of Jesus dying to save us from our sins so that we can be restored back into a relationship with God now finds itself competing with a whole host of opposing ideas. Unfortunately, instead of standing confident in Jesus' power to save, in the face of such opposition, many Christians have retreated into a kind of privatised faith, which is no longer separated in gathered communities in church or in the public square. And this is why I believe our verse of the year is so relevant to our situation today. Personally, and as a congregation worshipping here at Holy Trinity Claygate, we need to work out whether we want to be part of a community that's based on serving ourselves or on serving God. So digging a little bit deeper then into the context of our verse for the year, we found that when the Jewish exiles originally returned from Babylon in the year 536 BC, they did so with a mandate with the authority from the Babylonian King Cyrus to rebuild their destroyed temple of worship because he was keen to appease all the gods that his armies had gone in and destroyed the temples of. Well, the Jews weren't about to argue with this stroke of good fortune, so upon their initial return, they started out strong in their temple reconstruction projects. Despite their fear of the new people around them, the Jews quickly rebuilt a new altar where sacrifices could be made. And two years down the line, under the guidance of Governor Zerubbabel, they dug all the foundations of their new temple. However, since then, their work had seriously stalled. And there was a combination of reasons for this. Firstly, the older Jews, who remembered the former glory of King David's temple, couldn't help but weep when they saw the foundations for the new temple, because they didn't look like much at all. This had a discouraging effect. Secondly, the recent occupiers of the land wanted to have their own say in how the Jews should be allowed to worship their God. This had a diluting effect. And thirdly, 
when this scheme didn't work properly, the recent occupiers intimidated the Jews and bribed the local officials into preventing them from building their new temple. This had a frustrating effect. And so the year 518 BC, 18 years after the Jews originally turned from exile, their work on restoring God's temple had ground to a halt. Under the face of local opposition, the Jews stopped working as one community gathered under the common purpose of serving God. Instead, they now retreated into their own personal interests. The prophet Haggai tells us, They built up their own panelled houses, while God's house remained a ruin. In today's language, the Jews prioritised their loft conversions and new cars before contributing towards the temple construction. And interestingly, the Bible records how such an attitude actually led to a loss of productivity and wealth. But of course, today, we're not called by God to be building grand new temples in order to worship him. So why might the temple reconstruction project have been so important to the eyes of God back then? Well, it's because of what the temple represented. The Old Testament temple was a visible pointer to the hope to come. The temple, with all its sacrifices, was a signpost of the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus the Jewish Messiah would later make when he died for our sins on the cross. At this stage in the history of God's saving plan, a visible temple was a witness to God's forgiveness of people's sins and access to a restored relationship with him. Where there was no visible temple, the knowledge of God's forgiveness remained hidden. This is why, in a similar way, Nicky Gumbel, the leader of Holy Trinity Brompton, has embarked on a mission to fill historic church buildings with worshippers instead of seeing them turned into carpet warehouses and gastro pubs. Nicky Gumbel says an empty church is like the empty palace of a long forgotten king. So it's in this context where the light of God is being hid under a bowl that Zechariah receives this word from the Lord for Zerubbabel. God's word, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, is given to inspire the Jewish governor Zerubbabel and his people into action. And it was meant both as an encouragement and a rebuke. So in the time that remains, I want to get under the skin of what our verse means so that we can use it for ourselves and apply it in the year ahead. So firstly, we're going to look at the rebuke, not by might nor by power. When the Jewish exiles first returned to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, they thought because they had the backing of the Persian king Cyrus, they'd simply resettle where their forefathers once lived and the recent occupiers of their territory would just roll over under the might and power of King Cyrus's authority. They came in with a metaphorical bulldozer in the form of a royal decree and expected it would be enough to move any local opposition aside. But this wasn't to be the case. Anybody who's travelled anywhere with a British passport and not received the warm welcome they are expecting knows how the Jews felt. I remember arriving in Sudan and I felt I had the um, 
the weight of the British crown behind me, only to then have my passport taken off me and be told I wasn't allowed to leave the country until they gave me permission. It was a humbling experience indeed. Well, such misplaced confidence in earthly authority was the manner in which the Jews set about achieving God's purposes of rebuilding the temple. Their actions demonstrated that they depended more on human might and power than they did on God. So after two years of initial enthusiasm, when local opposition remained just as strong, because their efforts weren't anchored and rooted in God, their resolve crumbled and they gave up. And it seems to me that this is the mindset that has beset many in the Church of England. For too long, the Church of England has relied on the might of its institutional power to gain influence in society, rather than focusing people on the central mission of gathering around Jesus and worshipping the living God. Consequently, it finds a good number of its congregations discouraged and depleted, its witness diluted, and its impact on society frustrated. Well, thankfully now the Church of England is waking up to the fact that you don't get established in order to then worship God. Rather, you worship God in order to then get established. God is not to be used as an afterthought in human power plays. We too need to personally hear the rebuke, not by might, nor by power. Too often, and especially here in Surrey, it's tempting to rely on our own might and power to influence others and to get things done. It could be our intellect, our beauty, our financial wealth, the networks we move in, our natural gifting, our political clout, our cunning, or any other area of strength we use to get our own way and you will know what that might mean for you. Because this year, there will be times when you'll be tempted to rely on your own might and power to get something done when God is really asking you to rely on him. Our verse for the year is a stark reminder that even when it seems you're setting out to achieve a task in line with God's purposes, there's no point attempting mighty things for God unless you are allowing God to work mightily in you. Let me say that again. There's no point attempting mighty things for God unless you are allowing God to work mightily in you. This highlights the need to spend time with God reading his word in the Bible and to reflect on what you've heard in prayer. You see, it's not that God doesn't celebrate our gifts or want us to use them in the best way he's given them to us. But if we sideline God, the things we do, we do for our own glory and not for his. The effect of this is to make the successful proud in victory and the defeated discouraged in loss. The winners march on while the losers give up. Well, the effect is to separate God's people from serving together. When we glory in our own might and power, it has a divisive effect. But that's not the type of kingdom that God wants to bring on earth. In the society of God, everybody gets to play. 
This is why, secondly, everybody needs to hear the encouragement of our verse for the year. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I'd like you to see that the Spirit of God is a uniting force. God's word to governors of Rubabal through the prophet Zechariah was a call to remind the Jewish exiles they needed to stop looking to the limited horizons of what they could achieve as individuals acting alone in their own interests and instead lift their eyes to what they could achieve as people in a community empowered by God's Spirit. The passage in Zechariah that the verse is found in tells that Zerubbabel and his people will go on to rebuild God's temple. But they'll go on now to do it in God's way. And God's spirit operates in the same way with us today. Jesus prayed that his followers may be one. The spirit of God then goes on to affirm Jesus' prayer by distributing spiritual gifts amongst congregations for the common good. God's spirit teaches us to need each other so that the body of Christ, the head, cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So I want you to turn to your neighbour now and say, I need you. Just do that now. Say, I need you to your neighbour. Wonderful. In the body of Christ, we need each other. Remember in the book of Ephesians, which we studied last year, it says, in Jesus we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God's spirit teaches us that it's when we gather together in the name of Jesus, we become the new holy table, uh, holy temple rather, witnessing to the Lord. And this is what we see in the many food banks which are being run by Christians up and down the country. And again, I've read all 750 pages of the famous evangelist Billy Graham's autobiography. And in every mission he ever undertook, he was joined by a faithful team working together using the individual gifts they had for God's glory. Only when we work together can we ever hope to have a powerful witness to Jesus in our society. John White, who's uh, leading the service and is our wonderful youth leader, uh, told me this lovely story a few weeks ago about the first time he and a few others went to Krispy Kreme Donuts when it had just opened in Edinburgh. And uh, as he and a few other worshippers went out to try it out, he was laughing and joking, and all the, uh, his friends were laughing and joking. And, one onlo- and because it was new, um, there's several people, and there's a big queue. And the uh, one onlooker was just looking on at these church folk, and he was confused. He said to John, who are you people that you know each other from so diverse countries and backgrounds? He was just compelled to want to know what brought these people together. It was God's spirit uniting people of difference together to serve as a powerful witness to him. This might mystify some people, but it makes them stand up and take notice. So this year, how might the spirit of God be encouraging you to unite with other Christians for God's glory? Could it be through committing to a small group? Maybe it could be by doing a besom together. It could be by forming a prayer network or coming along to weekday morning prayer. Maybe you could join the welcome team or help set up the four o'clock church. The Ukraine mission is coming up in July. They'd love it if you could join in. 
firstly today, if you're hungry for more of God's spirit, my message is don't go it alone. Well, finally this year, when you repeat the words, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, I'd also like you to see that the spirit of God is a powerful force. After 18 years living back in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel and his people were stuck in a rut, quite frankly. When Zerubbabel first helped to lay the temple foundations, a great deal of promise and excitement was in the air. But now, as the Jews walked past the temple foundations on their way home from work, they'd shrug at the thought of what could have been. It didn't feel like the end of the world, of course, because they still had their comfortable homes to go home to with their nice lazy boy chair. But deep down, they felt discouraged, diluted and frustrated that the worldly obstacles that stacked against them had hampered their temple rebuilding project. The obstacles had proven too much. They knew that they'd relied on their own strength and this left them feeling weak and distant from God. They knew something was missing, but they lacked the conviction to turn back to the source of true hope. And then suddenly, into this spiritual malaise, in comes the word of God. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Suddenly, everything changed. They knew they needed to repent of their self-serving attitude and return to the service of Almighty God. Some translations say, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, which actually means the Lord of mighty armies. Our verse for the year deliberately sets up a contrast between human power and might and the might of power of God's armies. You may recall the story of Elisha's servant who wakes up startled one morning to discover that an army of men on horses and chariots have surrounded the city where Elisha and his servant are based in order to try and capture Elisha. Elisha's servant exclaims, Oh no, Elisha, what can we do? Elisha answers the prophet of God. He says, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha then prays, Open the eyes of my servant, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opens his servant's eyes, and as he looks up and sees the hills, it's full of the horses and the chariots of fire from God, sent to protect Elisha. If God is for us, who can be against us? God's Spirit is a powerful force. So this morning, at the start of the new year with a bit of dreary weather, if you feel discouraged and stuck in a rut because the same obstacles you tried to fight in your own strength last year loom just as large in the year ahead, now is the time to receive this encouraging verse for the year, this word of God, into your heart. But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I recently met with a gentleman called David Bracewell, who is the old vicar of St. Saviour's Church, uh, which is just down the road in Guildford. And he described to me how before his church grew to have a thousand plus members, he was in the midst of personal discouragements. He was discouraged at the limited impact his ministry was having. Through this difficult time of processing, he had to acknowledge that he was trying to do it all in his own strength. 
He had to acknowledge before God his own powerlessness to resolve the situation. And then he turned to God in prayer and asked for help. Well, that's when God's spirit was given the room it needed to move. David's ministry was transformed by the impact of God's spirit as week by week, people who were seemingly powerful by worldly standards came forward to repent and recognize that they needed God more than anything else in their lives. They began to witness to their friendship groups. And so the expectation of what God could do grew and grew. And this morning, in our time of prayer ministry, which is to follow, you could come to God in repentance for the times when you've relied in your own might and power. You could receive his forgiveness and experience the power of God's spirit changing the trajectory of your life in the coming year. Because just as Zechariah, our prophet, continues, let's not despise the day of small beginnings. Now is the time to welcome more of God's powerful and uniting spirit into your life. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. This is how we'll be transformed ourselves this year. And it's how our service of God will impact the society in which we live. Amen.